Keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. I want to give you just a brief overview of the book of Jude. It's one of the tiniest, one of the smallest, but it's literally 25 verses, one chapter, one chapter long. Jude, the guy who wrote this book, he's the brother of Jesus, yet he doesn't, it's not his claim to fame. He doesn't even use that as a claim to fame. If Jesus were my brother, you bet I'd be toting that thing. I'd be name dropping all the time. Jude doesn't do that. He says, I'm a slave to Jesus Christ. And he says, a brother of James. So we actually know from a genealogy in Mark 6 that this, this is the brother of Jesus that wrote this. Yet he calls himself a slave to Christ. Um, second verse, to those who have been called and sanctified by God. If you, if you said yes to Jesus, if you, if you felt him speak into your heart, if you've said yes to him, you're called, okay? You're called by God. Sanctified, he doesn't want to just, he doesn't want to end with getting you saved. That's not where God wants to end this whole thing. He doesn't want to just get you inside of the gates of heaven. There's a quote by Bill Johnson that I love. It says, God doesn't just want to take you to heaven. He wants to get heaven inside of you. Because when heaven gets inside of you here, that's how you make a difference in the world, right? Because heaven is full of peace. And all of a sudden, when heaven gets inside of you, now you got peace to give away. Heaven has all kinds of joy. And when heaven gets inside of you, you got joy to give away. <clears throat> so sanctify means to be different, to be set apart. Sanctification doesn't just make you different for the sake of being different. It sets you up to make a difference. Then he uh, goes into a lot of detail about false teachers. It seems to be like one of the main reasons that he writes the book of Jude is he's warning about false teachers coming, then he says, here, you're going to recognize the false teachers by their lifestyles. They're going to be immoral. They're going to be greedy. They're going to be lovers of money. They're going to be complainers and grumblers. And then he, in verse 20, I'm just going to, just going to read it again. Now that you already heard it once, can you hold up your little finger in front of you? I see a couple of you that heard this sermon before already. There's a couple of you here. <laughs> you know what's coming. Hold your pointer finger up in front of you, and I'll turn that baby right around straight at you. This is your responsibility, okay? Yeah, to you, Torah. But you. Say, but you. But you. But you. Here's what you do. Build yourselves. Build yourselves up in your most holy faith. By praying in the Holy Spirit. The word build is a construction word. And if you look that word up, it means to rise like an edifice or a cathedral. To rise like a cathedral. A skyscraper, you could say. Your faith, Malan, is supposed to grow like a skyscraper. It's not supposed to be something that just is easily pushed over. It's actually supposed to be a strong thing. Something that grows. Something that the world can see. Jesus said in Matthew 6, he said... Let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify 
your Father which is in heaven. I think people are supposed to see your faith. They're supposed to be able to see it. Sometimes we get distracted from our own building, our own building of our own faith by looking at what the enemy's building around us. You ever have this happen to you? Whoa, what is happening in our world? And you get distracted and you like these giant plants. Oh, there's another Christian leader who just rejected their faith. What does he know that I don't know? Sometimes if it's somebody that you really you followed, maybe. Maybe you put a lot of your trust in that person. Now, if you see that person fall, it shakes you up. What's happening all around me? And you notice the big buildings that he's doing. I thought of Nehemiah when I was studying for this. You know, Nehemiah had a purpose. Nehemiah's purpose was build walls, build a place of strength and protection for Jerusalem. And the enemy didn't like that. So he would send distractions against him. He sent people to say, hey, come, why don't you have a chat with us? Why don't you have a discussion? Come, come talk to us. Nehemiah said, there's nothing that's going to take me away from my purpose. Nothing. And then they tried to fight him. They came out against him with weapons. He said, I'll build with a sword on my side, with a shield on my back. That's how we're going to build now. I'll be ready to fight at any moment. I think I can take a lesson from that for my own life. I can't allow myself to just be distracted by what's going on in the world around me. This week, just normal life, I, 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 I encountered, I met a couple of atheists. And soon after that, I read an article that talked about how millennials, so many millennials are just, they say, well, they're atheists. They have no belief in God whatsoever. When you hear that kind of thing, it feels like, oh, no, my culture, the world around me, it's going the wrong way. And then on top of that, I saw this church that I knew was was, uh, you know, functioning church drive past there and the weeds in the yard are this high. There's weeds all through the parking lot. And it feels like, you know, I'm looking, man, what's going on in my world? And it can look like the enemy's building some you know, he's he's it, sometimes it feels like this guy's winning. That's a lie. You know that there's a couple of verses. Interesting thing. One of the atheists worked at a church. That was funny. Um, yeah. So anyway, he said he was a Christian, but he believes in science. So he's an atheist. I we didn't get into it too much. <laughs> I believe in science, too, but I believe the word of God. I do. God is creator. You guys are so quiet. You're confused about the atheist and the, yeah, I know, I know. So um, it was interesting yesterday. I don't know if you guys ever heard of Darwin's Arch. Darwin's Arch is in the Galapagos Islands. Did I say that right, Paulina? Did I say that right? Okay. All right. And uh, it's where he wrote his book, The Origin of Species. It's where he came up with his theory of evolution. And this week, it collapsed. (coughs) And now that's a sad loss of a geological structure, beautiful. But I saw that and I went, yes! 
I believe it's prophetic. I just do. I don't think you have to be prophetic to believe that kind of thing. Anyway. So. You know, you can you can believe God is your creator. And still, you know, God made science. <laughs> anyway. Uh, there's a couple verses. If you if you get uh, if you get the feeling like you know the world is is going the wrong way and his his like his plans are you know they're overwhelming to you. I just want to read a couple scriptures real quick to you. I thought are encouraging. Isaiah nine seven. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. You hear that? Of the increase of his government, there will be no end. I believe that. That his kingdom is growing in the earth. Ever since Jesus, it's growing in the earth. Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. This is Daniel 2. He had a dream. The kingdoms of the world were, were shown in this big statue. And in the dream, Nebuchadnezzar sees this rock that's cut out of a mountain without hands. And he sees the rock rolling down a hill. It hits the kingdoms of the world. Kingdoms disappear, go to nothing. But the little rock that hit the kingdoms of the world grows into a mountain that fills the entire earth. That says, in Daniel 2, it says that that rock is the kingdom of God. Ever since Jesus, the kingdom of God is growing and it's filling the earth. Those are the days we live in. What your physical eyes see does it make a difference? This is the spiritual reality. The kingdom of God is growing. So, Sheila, don't get distracted. Build your faith. Build your faith. How do you build your faith? We're going to look to just a couple of things by praying in the Holy Spirit. That's what he says here. And pray in the Holy Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit isn't limited to just speaking in tongues. You know that. Praying in the Holy Spirit can be you praying in your known language as directed by the Holy Spirit. If you've ever been in a situation where all of a sudden you have this, you know you got to pray for somebody. I know my wife's been awakened three in the morning. Boom. Like this person is right there. And so she just prays until it goes away. Sometimes you'll find out years later, maybe you've had this happen to you or maybe you've just heard stories. Sometimes Long later, you find out that person was in a crisis right in the right over that time. Now, here's a question. Why does God work like that? If you're almighty, don't you just. God, God sees. Don't you just do it? God doesn't work that way, though. Caleb, he loves to partner with you. He, he really wants to partner with you. I mean, it's, it's kind of like the triangle thing. Over here, there's a situation that needs divine intervention. God sees that. So he speaks to Caleb. He says, pray for this person. That's the, you feel it in your spirit. So you pray to God for this person. How come? Doesn't it seem like wasted energy? <laughs> No, I think I think there's so much authority been given to us as believers. So much authority that God says, if it comes out of your mouth, if it comes out of your mouth, now I got something to work with. 
the earth has been given to man. So if it comes out of your mouth, now he can he can release angels to assist you. He can do uh, release supernatural power into your life. Did I already say this? Matthew 6, Jesus said, God knows what you need before you pray. So pray. That's literally what it says. It, it, there's a connection there. It's, it, he, wants, he wants to hear it from you. It's got to come through you. So um, the second way you build yourself up is you pray in tongues. And I don't, this might make you uncomfortable. I don't really care. I actually completely believe in this. And so it's made a difference in my life. It's in the Bible. We're going to talk about it. So I'm going to talk to three groups of people about praying in the Spirit. Heidi was singing in the Spirit up here a little bit. The Bible actually talks about that. A lot of it's in 1 Corinthians 14. So the first group of people I'm going to talk to is You've you've prayed in the spirit, you've spoken in tongues in the past or you currently do. My first thing to you is I want to encourage you to use the gift. And here's 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 what I see in people is you treat it like this weird relative in your life that you don't really like. It's just kind of there and you just don't tell people about it. You put it on the shelf. Take it off the shelf. This is a beautiful gift that God gave you. He started the church with tongues. Like, if it doesn't fit into your understanding, doesn't mean it's just, it doesn't fit his understanding. It's direct communication from my spirit to God's spirit that's not held back by the limitations of my earthly language. And I'm going to tell you a couple things from Scripture about tongues. First off, speaking in tongues, praying in the Spirit was so normal, so natural in the early church that Paul dedicates an entire chapter, 1 Corinthians 14. He talks about it in a couple of the other gifts chapters to its use. He says, here's how you ought to handle this thing. Entire chapter. You know, there's things that he puts in one line somewhere. The entire doctrine that gifts no longer are in use today. That entire thing is built on two words in 1 Corinthians 13. I think it's like two words. It's when that which is, sorry, it's more than two words. When that which is perfect is come anyway. <clears throat> I just messed that all up. But do you, do you see what I'm saying? There's, there's an entire part of the body of Christ has put miracles, all the supernatural off, silenced it because of a verse. I mean, a little line that is, uh, is misunderstood, is misunderstood. It's not talking about when the Bible is written, miracles are going to cease. But that's how they interpret it. Guys, living life with the Holy Spirit, there's just no way I'm going back. <laughs> there's just no way. Our little circles, our little prayer times, they can be so encouraging, so strengthening to me because you hear the heart of God over and over and over. And I lived a lot of my life not knowing that that existed. I didn't know God still worked supernaturally. I heard he did some miracles in other countries. That's all. Anyway, here we go. 
I was telling you about some scripture where it talks about this. Jude, it says that you're built up in your faith when you pray in the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 14.4, it says, He who speaks in tongues edifies himself. The word edify means to be a house builder. So you're building yourself. It's backing up what it says here in Jude. Later in the chapter, verse 17, Paul says that if you speak in tongues, you give thanks well. Verse 2, Paul says that you speak mysteries in the Spirit. Ephesians 6.18 talks about prayer and supplication in the Spirit being part of the armor of God, part of your spiritual armor. Paul says, I wish all of you spoke in tongues. Verse 18 says, I thank God I speak more in tongues than any of you. I just gave you eight biblical reasons for speaking in tongues. Eight ones from the Bible. I didn't, that's not adding my own. I try to speak in tongues every day, my own personal life. One, I, I, when, I, when I don't know what God's will is, is in a situation, I just pray in tongues because I know that I'm praying the will of God when I do that. Other thing, I feel encouraged. I feel inspired. I feel bold. I feel all of those things after I spend time praying in the Spirit. I feel energy. I just think, Direct communication from my spirit to his spirit. Second group of people that I want to talk to is you've heard about tongues. And uh, maybe you want to speak in tongues. You've been prayed for. It's never happened to you. It's never happened to you. I know what that feels like. I've, I've been there myself. I had that experience. And uh, here's the first thing I want to encourage you. Paul writes a question. He says, do all speak in tongues? And I've seen many people use that verse as proof that God doesn't want me to speak in tongues. Like, I'm not going to get this. Well, Paul also gives a verse that says, I desire all of you to speak in tongues. And he says, earnestly pursue spiritual gifts. So don't hold one verse over the other to say, it's, it's not for me. I've also seen people say, well, if God, if God wants me to have that, I, I guess he can have that. That's, that's spiritual lethargy. That's not, that's, that doesn't draw on the heart of God. Um, I'm just going to tell you a real quick part of my journey and how I, because we're talking about the Holy Spirit, I started learning about the baptism of the Holy Spirit when I saw my own need, my own lack in my life. I was a Christian, and by the way, this makes absolutely no difference in how much God loves you, okay? When you said yes to Jesus, he loves you, he saved your soul, it makes, like, it has no difference on that. This is power to do ministry, power to uh, reach out and touch other people's lives, and he's called a helper, so he helps you in everyday life. In Exodus, there's a story about a man who was filled with the Spirit to do craftsmanship. I love that kind of thing. Like, what kind of artist or <clears throat> art can you do filled with the Holy Spirit egg? It just gets wild, right? Like, he wants to be so involved in your life. So, the stuff I'm talking about isn't just for, you know, evangelizing. Yet, it completely includes that. But I saw my own lack, my own need in my life. And so I started reading Acts. I, I asked, 
I ask our pastors, I said, hey, I see this thing about the baptism of the Spirit, but I never hear anything about it. Can we talk about that? And it was kind of like, you know, blank stares, nothing, nothing there. And I started reading Acts, and I, I saw people like Peter who, who were so afraid, so afraid before Pentecost. You know, he, was, he hung out with Jesus all this time. Yet when Jesus was in one of those vulnerable moments when he's being tried and there's a young girl comes walking up to Jesus and she says, hey, I think I saw you with Jesus. Peter's like, no, no, I don't know. him. No, I don't know. him." Three times he denied Jesus. But then right after Pentecost, you see Peter filled with boldness and he stands up in front of thousands of people and he says, Jesus is a real deal. Guys, this is this is legit. Something happened. And he starts and tells him the whole Old Testament story. And he says, repent. And he's like, is this the same man? But something happened in the upper room. He was filled with the Holy Spirit. And they all spoke in tongues. That's what happened to him. Then you read stories like Stephen, who is full of the Holy Ghost. And preaches with such boldness that there it drives them nuts and they stone him. You know that story about Stephen? It's just a beautiful. No, it's very. I love the story of Stephen just because you can tell the purity of his heart. And uh, I want to be a young man like Stephen. Full of the Holy Spirit without fear in the face of what was death for him. You know, stoning still happen. Stoning still happen. In the Middle East, they really do. Stoning still happen. But I meant in our modern culture, if you say something that's contradictory to our culture and you're a popular figure, you'll, be, you'll get stoned. You'll get stoned. Are you, are, you bold in the, are you bold in the middle of that? So anyway... I'm talking about that hunger, that desire. That actually took my wife and I, uh, Amy, down into the middle of Baltimore where there's a tent set up, and I got to meet some. I don't know if any. Myron was there. Myron was there. Were you there, Jolene? So anyway, uh, there was different ones, and this gentleman was preaching up front about walking in worship, and he came walking back after everything was over, and he said, hey, my name's Penn Clark. What are you doing here? <laughs> That's where I first met Penn. And I said, I heard about the baptism of spirit and that I could get it here. That it was a hunger that just consumed me. And I, I, I longed for something. He said, well, you're going to experience it. My wife and I did. But I didn't speak in tongues. I really wanted to speak in tongues. I wanted to prove all the naysayers wrong. I wanted to prove that I have something and God is under no obligation to satisfy your selfish nature. He doesn't have to prop up your pride. And I had I had ulterior motives that I wanted to speak in tongues. I, I wanted to prove things. I don't think God ever gave me grace when I was trying to prove something to somebody, prove them wrong. He just doesn't operate on that. When I got my pride rooted out of my heart, and I actually wanted it for the right reasons. You know, in the most unceremonious of ways, there's a couple praying with Amy and I, and all of a sudden I was like, there's, I thought, I, 
I feel like I feel like I've heard people pray like this. And I was still too prideful to pray in front of people. And so I quick ran out of the tent <laughs> and went away by myself and lay down by the lake on my back. And I opened my mouth and I s- started speaking in tongues. And I started laughing and crying and shouting. And there was nobody there. I don't think there was anybody there. But it was so natural I don't know. I think that's how miracles work sometimes. They're so supernaturally natural that you're like, what's going on? But he gave me something that's changed my life. And I believe there's a there's a real gift in it. We shouldn't. We shouldn't neglect. Um, guys, I don't have that much more. But so hang with me. One more thing, if if you haven't experienced this, but you want to, I think it's good for you to just get maybe involved in another, like, like get yourself out of your comfort zone. Go, go somewhere that's, I know we can't go on mission trips right now, but sometimes those kind of things are so good for your spiritual life. I don't know, you know the name Francis Chan, right? I used this example this morning. I love to listen to Francis Chan. He's such a beautiful brother, and he says, he's just interesting. And the God's, God's story of redemption in his life, I think it's some of his parents committed suicide, these different things. Anyway, he comes from a church background that didn't, that didn't teach any of the miraculous. Like, it was kind of a no-go. And I remember a couple of years ago, he got invited to IHOP to their year-end celebration, whatever, where they have, you know, how many days of worship and prayer, which immediately got him flagged by the um, the watchdog wa- websites who said, oh, he's hanging out with crazy, you know, crazy people. Anyway, I heard him give testimony. He's like, I heard that these people are like deceived. These people are, you know, they're they're not even Christians, all these kind of things. And he said, I talked to them. I prayed with them. They love Jesus. Like, these are amazing people. I've heard all this wrong about them. And um, then I just several months ago, I watched a video where it was just recently that he was at a at a Bible college. But it was a pretty conservative Bible college where they didn't talk. They didn't they didn't believe in the supernatural. And he just said, listen, I don't know how this is going to go over with you all here, but I have to be honest with you. Like, here's here's what I grew up. I, I heard that it's. It doesn't happen. It doesn't, you know, the gifts are done. But he said, I just have to be honest with you. Are you okay with that? This is my experience. He said, I went, uh, it was either Africa or India or one of those countries. He said, we walked through the villages and I laid my hands on sick people. And he said, every single person that I laid my hands on, they were instantly healed. Don't know how you're going to take that, but that's what happens. And here's this darling of this movement who are now, like I've seen videos of these Christian leaders saying, um, we shouldn't let our children go listen to Francis Chan anymore because he's, you know, he's just being honest. He got, he, he got outside of his comfort zone. He went and hung out with some people who were experiencing more, more of God, and that's his experience. Sometimes it's good for us to do the same thing. I heard a uh, 
pastor who worked with youth, he said, you know what? The way I, the way that we do it, we try to, we get just, we just get any of the kids that are in the village or in the town, and we get them to come for meals and sports and play games. And then he said, but then we'll have a, we'll have a one, two-day nature hike. We'll take them out, and we'll go on this nature hike. And sometime along that hike, we'll circle up around a campfire, and we'll talk, start talking about Jesus. And we'll ask them, here's who Jesus is. Do you want to give your heart to Jesus? And he said, you know what? As soon as we get them outside of their little bubble where they feel safe and comfortable, they all say yes to Jesus. They all begin that journey with him. It's good advice for us. Okay, the third group is, uh, I, don't, I don't know if this would be anybody here, but you don't believe any of it. You just, you think it's false. You think it's fake. You don't, you don't believe it. You've been taught against it. You don't want anything to do with it. And what I would say to you is, I understand. I've been there too. I've literally sat in, in seats, pews, and heard a sermon from the front exactly against what everything that I'm saying right now, saying it's done. Speaking in tongues is not true. I've had people tell me, you stay away from all of that stuff. Because when you speak in tongues, how do you know you're not praying to the devil? It's just anti-biblical to start off with. But I'm just saying, I've heard all of those things. I didn't believe in any of it. And I just say, start by just opening your heart to truth. It's, it's in the word of God. Start by opening your heart to truth and everything else I said to the other, to the other two groups. You know, right now, all over the world, charismatic churches are growing very fast, very fast. And the, the ones that don't believe in the supernatural, they're declining. They are. Okay, we're going to do a couple more building verses. You ready for this? 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as, in fact, you were doing. So there's that building word again. Here's your permission to encourage each other, to build each other, not just yourself. So... Um, Who shall I call on? Who wants encouragement? Shoot up your hand. <laughs> Paulina, why don't you stand up? Okay, this is not prophetic at all. But it's so easy to see your love for Jesus and to see your love for your community. It's like you don't have to be prophetic to see that. So I love the difference that you're making in Penyan. Penyan wouldn't be the same without Paulina. So, there we go. Let's give her a hand. And so, according to the Bible, I just did a little bit of building in your life by giving you encouragement. And so, that's what we're supposed to do to everyone. Like, you have permission, build each other. Yes. Really? Wow. 
that's good. It's good. That's what he wants to do with all of us. That's what he wants to do with the world. The second one, Ephesians 4.29, don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what's helpful for building others up according to their need. Do you notice Do you notice a common thread here? Where's your building tools? Malin, where's the building tools? It's in your mouth. That's what all of these have in common. They're talking about your speech, what comes out of your mouth, because you can either... You can either drop bombs or you can build something. Don't let unwholesome talk come out, but what's helpful for building others up. Last one, Colossians 2, 6-7. So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and build up in Him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, overflowing with thankfulness. Thankfulness is another way that you can build your faith. The last one we're going to end with, I'm going to get you to stand for this. Okay? So it's the last verse that I read. It's to keep yourselves in God's love as you wait for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to bring you to eternal life. If you think about it, that can seem a little weird, like keep yourself in God's love. Can I go anywhere that's outside of God's love? So you wonder, what, what is he, what's he saying? Because I don't believe that I can step outside of his love. Here's what I believe that it actually means. I think if you see God's love as the sun, and you see it radiating towards your heart right now, just close your eyes. Just, it's the, the God's love is radiating towards your life. And that's the truth. But sometimes we can allow sin in our life. We can allow shame in our life. Or we can even latch on to some lies about God. Those things act just like a pillow, just like, just like a cloud, something that would come between that. Even though God's love is radiating towards you right now, he wants to touch your life. All of a sudden, you can't feel its effect because something has come in there. I think that's what he's saying. Keep yourself in God's love. Keep yourself where you can experience that. So that's what I'm going to pray for you. Lord, I pray that we'd always live openly in a way that we can experience intimacy with you. Lord, I pray that Every person here would know what it is to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit and experience what your word calls the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We want to be empowered. We want to be empowered. We know that we need you to make a difference. And we want to be a community of believers that makes a difference, not this that keeps our nice little lives. God, I want us to be able to pray over people who need help. And they get breakthrough. We want to have power when we pray. And so we say, fill our lives with you, Holy Spirit. Father, I pray that you go with us all this week. That your blessing would be upon us. That we'd stay aware of your presence. 
pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.